Well, thanks so much for joining us here on another episode of Cranford Radio. I am Bernie Wagonblast. On September 29th, the Rutgers 1976 football team was inducted into the Rutgers Athletic Hall of Fame. One of the members of that team was John Fedorchek, a 1974 graduate of Cranford High School. John, welcome to Cranford Radio. Thank you. It's great being here. Well, that Rutgers football team, first of all, I'm surprised that it took so long <laughs> for them to induct you into the Hall of Fame. Has there ever been another Rutgers football team that has gone undefeated for a whole season? As a matter of fact, there was. Uh, in 1961, exactly 15 years before ours, the uh, Rutgers football team went undefeated. They had a nine-game season. They were the first to be inducted into the Rutgers Hall of Fame. We're the only two classes that were, were undefeated in the over 100-year history of Rutgers football. So it was well overdue. We, we thought they were going to wait until the 50th anniversary, but I was afraid not too many of us would be around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad they did it. For those who, who maybe don't follow sports, particularly college football, closely, it should be noted that Rutgers played the first intercollegiate football game against Princeton, uh, back where I think the, the College Avenue Gymnasium is now located. I forget what the score, but I think it was single digits on both sides, and, and college football back then was far different from the game you played or, or the game that's played today. Yeah, I believe the score was something like 5-2 to two or 6-2. to two. Um, <laughs> Ironically, uh, I was able to play in the uh, last Rutgers-Princeton game ever played because we, oh. we discontinued that series. So while Rutgers is the first intercollegiate football uh, game that was ever played between Rutgers and Princeton, I actually got to play in the last game that was ever played between Rutgers and Princeton. <laughs> and, you know, that is one of the things that's that's changed. Although Rutgers was was a Division One football team then as it is now, the opponents were different from who they play today. There there wasn't the conferences like there was today. Was there any Correct. conference that Rutgers was in at that point, some minor conference? We were in the All East Conference, and then now we're in the Big Ten. All righty. Which next year will be 18 participants, so they should probably be rename it the Big 18. <laughs> well, if they changed all these conference names, every time they added teams, they would never have anything consistent. They're right. always adding teams, it seems, and there are fewer and fewer conferences that are around. That's true. Now, with sports, statistics is a big thing. And I'm not going to give a lot of statistics, but there are a few that I want to share here before we get into talking a little bit more. First of all, Rutgers outscored their opponents that season, 1976, by a combined total of 287 to 81. The mm -hmm. defense led the nation in scoring, rushing, and total defense. And against eight of the 11 opponents that you played, you held them to single-digit points. And then finally, at the end of the season, the team was ranked number 17 in the Associated Press final rankings, one of three nationally that completed an undefeated season. So some pretty uh, heady statistics there for that, that Rutgers football team. In, in addition to that, the uh, defense was our big star. Uh, they led three out of four defensive categories in the entire nation. So they led, uh, you know, limited the number of yards rushing, yards passing, and total yards given. And uh, they were number one in all three out of those four categories. Tell the audience, what position did you play on that Rutgers? I was the offensive center, and I started for three years in a row. Uh, saw some time as a freshman. I made the varsity, but uh, I started as a sophomore, junior, and senior. In the four years that, we, that uh, I participated in, in the team, 
from 74 to 77, we went 35, 8, and 1. We had one tie. In the three years as a starter, uh, we were 28 and 5. And uh, we only had five losses. And one of them was to Penn State, of course. Wow. Wow. And so if my math is correct, and I, I'm not good at math, so I may be wrong here, but you were you a sophomore or a junior when you were on that 1976 team? I was a junior. And the most remarkable thing was that year, not only did the football team go undefeated, and we had the longest college winning streak at the time at 18 uh, from, from our sophomore year going into the junior year, but the basketball team also went undefeated. They had a 38-0 and 0, uh, record and actually uh, made it to the Final Four. Wow. Yep. So what a year, you know, you can imagine it was party zone. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. So tell me a little bit about your general Rutgers experience. What was your major? What were what some of the other things that you were involved with when football season wasn't going on? It was difficult at times because, you know, your day was committed from three o'clock till about nine o'clock every day between prep, you know, getting ready for the practices, practices, the dinner, team meetings, things like that and such. But, um, you know, along that way, you always had time for other things. I did fit, uh, major in physical education. I wanted to be a teacher. I ended up being a teacher in Cranford High School for two years. Uh, that was a lot of fun, as well as being a coach. I was also a member of the Delta Kappa Epsilon fraternity, which was a lot of fun. I lived there for about three years. Still don't, don't believe how I graduated in four years, but... <laughs> Somehow I didn't manage that. I envy the, the college uh, athletes that can take the five-year program. I think I, I, I would have really liked that. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? You know, I, I read a quote from one of the members of your team saying that only somebody who was part of something like that can really understand how difficult it was to go through a Division One season undefeated. Tell me a little bit of your memories of what it was like going through that season. Did you anticipate that you had a great team at that point when you were out there for that first game? I'm going to share a story that, that I've told to, to a number of my, my friends. And um, it really starts off in our, in our sophomore season. My freshman year, we were the first class of blue, what they used to call blue chippers. They didn't have the star ratings, three, four, fives. We were a blue class chip. And Frank Burns was our head coach. And this, this coach was remarkable. He, he really, really knew his stuff. And to exemplify that, in our sophomore year, we started reading about uh, Miami and Gatorade and how, you know, they didn't limit the amount of water that the players were taking in during practices. They limited salt intake, you know, instead of having the salt tablets and all that. And we talked to our physiology teacher and the physiology teacher was willing to speak with the head coach. And he did. And our head coach was smart enough and, and, and practical enough to meet with the, our, the physiology teacher. And, and the physiology teacher explained that, you know what, you know, having one water break in the middle of practice and running these guys to exhaustion is really not the way to get them in the best shape. So he convinced them that taking water breaks every 10 or 15 minutes was actually a good thing. Get rid of the salt tablets. You get enough salt in there, right? Get rid of steak and eggs on the morning of the game because it's the worst thing you could do. You know, it's it's uh, meat and vegetables in the beginning of the week and super carbonation in the, in the end of the week. And you know what? My coach was smart enough to say, you know what? I'm going to try this. So the first four games of my sophomore season, we went two and two. You know, this was in the beginning of the season when we, we had this, this meeting. Well, the last seven games of my sophomore year, we won all seven games. 
and my junior year, we won the next 11. So we had an 18-game winning streak. Now, I'm not saying that that diet was the only thing that built our season, but it was things like that that the coach was smart enough to listen to. The physiologist even told him, you shouldn't be doing 40 sprints at the end of the practice. Have him do uh, 760s. You know, do it as fast as you can under a certain amount of time. That'll build speed. That'll build endurance. You don't have to burn them out and, you know, uh, worry about them not having legs on the, on the game day. But Coach Burns was smart enough to listen. You know, and he's he an old-time coach. He was a, a football player, you know, went both ways as quarterback and, and safety. He was a brilliant, brilliant uh, mind. And he was smart enough to listen and, and it was part of the success that we had. And we believed in him. So, you know, we felt like we were indestructible and unbeatable. Mm-hmm. What are some of your best memories from that year? Well, probably the, the, the icing on the cake was uh, the game against Colgate in the Meadowlands. It was uh, the second time we had played in the Meadowlands. And that night was really important because had we won that game, you know, the 11th game of the season, we would go undefeated. And the, we won, you know, uh, the bells were ringing. We had a blast. It was just, it was the the pinnacle uh, of our season that to, to make it all the way. You never really thought about it that much. Honestly, I, I can't ever remember thinking we're going to go undefeated for the season. We just kept beating everybody, you know, every team we came up against. And then that night, it was it was a kind of a remarkable night. We were supposed to play on a Saturday night uh, against Colgate. And ABC uh, Wild World Sports asked us to delay the game until Thanksgiving night on a Thursday. We did. And it was a gamble because uh, we had been touted for the Peach and the Tangerine Bowl. And uh, what happened was the selections was that Sunday. We didn't play until thir- the following Thursday. And the uh, the members of this committee decided that it would be too risky in case we lost the game. It would affect the ticket sales. So we didn't get invited to the Tangerine or the Peach Bowl, even though we went unbeaten, untied, uninvited. But it was still a remarkable night because, you know, oh, we sure. we'd go undefeated. And it all hit. You know, once once that happened, it was remarkable. So. Well, when that final whistle blew at the end of that 11th game, what was that like? Well, the champagne was flowing. (laughs) (laughs) I remember a couple of us picked up Frank Burns and carried him off the field, which he had never done. We doused him with with, uh, Gatorade in the locker room. There was champagne and beer and soda and everything flying in the locker room. (laughs) One of those memories I will never, ever forget. And Frank Burns, you know, on tape, and if you look at a highlight tape from 1976, he says, you know, he goes, you, you young men, we you know, will remember this night for the rest of your lives. And it's true. You, you really did. And you never forgot that, that feeling and that moment. It was a very rare when a team can actually go undefeated for an entire season. Um, I was very, very lucky. That's happened to me a couple of times. My freshman year in football, my wrestling uh, season, my senior year, I went undefeated. So I was lucky. This is, that was the third time it's actually happened. But this one was so much more you know, magnified because it was such a big team effort you talked about wrestling so let's go back to Cranford High School where you were getting a lot of experience before you went to Rutgers talk a little bit about your football experience not just football your sports experience as a Cougar well you know what I I guess it started back in eighth grade Uh, you know I didn't know where I was going in life what my purpose was or anything like that but um, I I actually went out for the football team, and uh, it was funny because my coach was Gene Sachs. I've I've actually shared this story with him and, and many other people. When uh, I had never played organized football before, I, I had no clue what it was all about. You know, all I knew was sandlot football. 
the first three days you were running around in shorts and helmets and no pads. And, you know, on day four, you get to put on pads. Well, unfortunately, I showed up 30 seconds late to my lunch study and uh, Mrs. Goldsmith gave me a de detention that day. And of course, I cut the detention and went into the gym and she caught, you know, she went in there and talked to Coach Sachs and said, hey, he just cut my detention. Sachs sent me to the detention and I ended up sitting around on, on the pads for three days without putting pads on. Oh. And I was devastated. One day, Gene Sachs looked at me and said, are you still on the team? And it just burned me up. It infuriated me. From that day forth, I went like a maniac. I was committed on a mission. As a result, I ended up starting in eighth grade and became came back as the captain of my freshman year. But um, it went well. And, uh, you know, I ended up playing, uh, starting three years on the varsity team under Norm Corey. Uh, things went real well. I didn't wrestle until my senior year because uh, I had some other commitments. Went undefeated in my, my senior year, 18-0. and 0. Uh, Went to the States. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then in track, um, I was a three, you know, three event person athlete. I used to do a shot put discus and I would either throw javelin or I would do high jump. Whoever heard of a, a football player doing high jump? Yeah, but I, I did jump six foot, six foot with a, you know, Fosbury flop. So wow. that was pretty good. The most memorable night of probably of my life was I was wrestling someone from Scotch Plains and, uh, and we were both 14 and 0 undefeated. And the Rutgers football coaches, who had not yet asked me for a commitment, came to the match. And it was a Friday night, like 8 o'clock at night. I actually have a picture of me wrestling this guy. And in the background is, is Norm Corey, my current high school coach, and my future coach, you know, Frank Burns and, and Jim Taji. And it, it ended up that I had to pin the opponent in order to win the match for Cranford. And I ended up, I did. I pinned him in the third period. So that night when I got home about 11 o'clock, 1130, because it was an 8 o'clock match, at the dining room table was my mother, my father, my my position coach, and the head coach. And they had a, uh, a bottle of scotch and, and four beers there. And uh, they were talking about how they wanted me to, you know, to commit to, to Rutgers to play ball. And I looked at my dad, and for the first time in, in my life, I saw a tear coming down his, his eye. I said, what do you think, Pop? He says, go ahead. And I ended up signing a letter of intent at that point. So that was one of the most remarkable nights of my entire life. And how that has changed now when an athlete from high school signs a letter of intent, they have a, a little ceremony and photos at the high yep. school and all that. So it was, a, again, a different world uh, back in, in the 1970s. Rutgers, the only school that you had considered, were, or did you consider any other colleges? No, there were a few others. Uh, Penn, I had William and Mary uh, that came to visit. There was a, uh, a coach. He was, he was a Polish coach, and he had a, had a pretty good connection. He was trying to bribe me with pierogies and kolbasi and all that good stuff. <laughs> but there are a few. Let's again jump back to Rutgers. 1976, your junior year. 1977 is your senior year. And it wasn't an undefeated team. Was that a, a little bit of a downer to not have as good a season in your senior year? If I had only one wish, I wish we had played uh, Penn State in my junior year. Because mm -hmm. uh, we had unfortunately graduated seven um, starters on the defensive team after my junior year. So we were um, a little bit weakened uh, at that position. And Penn State, being the quality team that they are, they knew exactly where to hit us and where, where to get us. I honestly believe that if we had played them in my junior year, we would have it would have been a very, very close game. And, and as a result, we ended up losing that game 46 to 7. So we got, we got our tail speed pretty good. <laughs> the day after the induction, or maybe it was the, the day of, I'm not sure, um, you went to the Rutgers Stadium for the football game. When you look at 
what Rutgers football is like today and you compare it to what it was like in 1976. Is there any wish that, wow, I wish I, I could have played in this kind of an atmosphere? Because it was a little, it wasn't quite the same world of college football then that it is now. It was totally different. Uh, you know, the stadium at that time held 21,000 uh, seats. Uh, now it's about 50. Um, beautiful scoreboards, gigantic. You know, the visual is just amazing. But the workout facilities were, you know, night and day. We had tiny little lockers. We, we in some cases, uh, my freshman year, we were working out in the, uh, in the college weight room out mm-hmm. over in the barn on College Avenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of having our own dedicated facility, I think the next year we, we actually had a, um, you know, weight uh, equipment that was in the stadium. But I, I remember it was like a dirt floor. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was rough back then, you know. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't have a, a, a indoor f- training facility, you know, to get out of the rain and the cold. So, you know, in the, in the cold months, you were just dying out there in the mud and in the ice cold. And, you know, you'd come <laughs> in and you'd be like, ah, this is a... What am I doing? Right, right. <laughs> it was rough. Maybe that's why we went undefeated. <laughs> I obviously did not participate in, in college athletics, but my one memory from college teams when I was in school, I went to Seton Hall University, was basketball. And mm-hmm. back then, the rack hadn't been built, and they still played their home basketball games in the College Avenue Gymnasium. And what a different atmosphere. And in some ways... You know, because I, I, I went to a lot of the Seton Hall games on the road. I remember going up to Army at West Point and some of the other schools that we played. And you had these on-campus gymnasiums. They were loud. They weren't fancy like the Prudential Center or the Rack or, or some of these other places the college teams, basketball teams are playing today. But there was, a, I think, in some ways, an atmosphere that I miss with the the smaller venues than than what you have today that's a really really good question because there's two two things i'd like to share with you about the barn right the barn was located on college avenue and it was small right and and there were lower seats and then there were like balcony seats that faced uh the basketball court and directly behind it was a wall and then there was a movable wall and then there was the uh swimming pool and I remember two events that were amazing. One was at the end of the uh, basketball season in 1976, we played Pitt. And, and that was the last game of the season. And had we won that game, we would go undefeated for the for the season. And we were winning by like 44 points. And during the game, the, the crowd got so loud and were stomping their feet so hard on the bleachers that the ceiling tiles started to fall down. They were that one by one foot oh, ceiling yeah. tiles that were pressed mm-hmm. on and they kept falling. And, and the janitors just had to run out on the court and sweep, sweep them off. <laughs> which only fueled the crowd and made them chant and stomp even harder. Uh, Maybe 12 times the the tiles fell down. They had kept stopping the game. Now, the icing on the cake, (laughs) right at the end of the game, before the the game ended, somebody opened up the wall between the swimming pool and and the actual gym floor, and the place went nuts because there's people swimming and diving and and having a ball. That was a lot of fun. That was one event. The other event that was that was fantastic was we were just coming off um, some type of uh, winter training. Uh, you know, I can't remember whether it was weight training or we were playing racquetball or something. And, I, and I, we walked through the gym and who but Carol Blazajowski is playing uh, against us. From She's from Montclair State. She's one of my fellow Cranford Hall of Famer. 
But um, I actually got to watch Carol play, you know, at Rutgers against the, the Rutgers girls uh, basketball team at Rutgers. That was a lot of fun. I can imagine. I can well imagine. Your career as a Scarlet Knight came to an end with graduation. You said, like you said, you did it in four years, which, <laughs> you know, was kind of nice. And then the NFL. Talk a little bit about what, how that all progressed and what happened with that. Okay. Well, you know, at the end of the season, um, there were two, two events that happened. Um, I was recruited by Cranford. Uh, Norm Corey wanted me to come back and be a football coach and teacher at Cranford High. And I pretty much set my sights on that. That's really, really what I wanted to do. I, I loved coaching. Uh, I thought that would be a great, great way to go. And I was pretty, I was pretty beat up from playing, I guess, 12 years of football. Um, you know, my ankles, my knees were pretty beat up. So I decided to do that. So at Cranford High, uh, played, uh, taught and, and coached for about two years, Cranford uh, football, wrestling, and track. But during the football season, I really started to get the itch again. And I started weight training and running and, and feeling pretty good. And after the first year, my knees and ankles were really good. You know, first year, I didn't have to compete and, you know, get beaten down. So I, uh, I contacted some agents and, uh, and I was able to get tryouts with Philadelphia Eagles, uh, the Baltimore Colts, and, and the New York Jets. Born a Giants fan, I couldn't get a tryout. So, of course, <laughs> here I am a Giants fan, and, and I ended up going to a tryout with 66 other players uh, for the New York Jets. And um, it was a rainy day. It was, you know, and I was also the long snapper when I was in college. So I did all the long snaps for punts, field goals, and extra points. So I had a really good snap. And that was the thing, I think, that really sealed it. So when I had the tryout, I snapped in the rain, but I, but I didn't have one you know, bad snap. Everything was fast. It was good. So I got a contract that day. Uh, they, they gave me a contract. Two of us out of 66 actually got signed as free wow. agents that day. And then, uh, then you know, came home, started training. And then, unfortunately, I had a chain of events where I was playing basketball. And I ended up breaking a bone in my foot. Uh, went to camp and it was it was just difficult. So, you know, I went to camp at Hofstra University. That was a blast. Met some great people. Joe Klecko, Marty Lyons, you know, Mark Gastineau, Freeman McNeil, you name it. They were there. Johnny Lamb Jones. Uh, great, great experience. Um, had I not broken my ankle, I was wondering, you know, how that all would have worked out. Because I only had about four weeks to heal on that thing before I had to you know, report to camp. But uh, it, it hampered me quite a bit. I'm not sure whether it was something that was inevitable. You know, maybe it mm -hmm. saved me from a concussion protocol later in life. I, I don't know. <laughs> but it was a great experience. I wouldn't trade it for two knees so, mm -hmm. or two ankles. <laughs> well, speaking of knees, obviously, we all have gotten a little older. Tell us what your life was like after football, after Cranford High School, after you uh, finished up uh, your two years. I believe what you said was two years at Cranford High, right, as a teacher and Correct. coach? Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, I ended up going through a, a number of different, a few different jobs. I worked, um, you know, for the U-Haul Corporation. I was in a restaurant business for a little while. I worked for modern handling equipment, selling forklifts and warehouses, uh, warehouse equipment. But then I found my home. Um, I ended up working for a company called Maersk, M-A-E-R-S-K, largest steamship company in the world. They're the ones with all the containers coming in from Europe. They've got about 700 vessels. Uh, started off as an account executive, senior account executive, district sales manager, regional sales manager, general manager, national sales manager, <laughs> director of sales. I mean, yeah, I went right up the ladder. I only recently um, retired uh, about 10 months ago uh, after 32 years with the Merck companies. And it was just a great, great time. Um, the only physical injuries that I really, really had was uh, my, I ended up having two hips replaced, one uh, about 13 years ago, one uh, two years ago, actually. 
And these days you're down in South Carolina, right? You've retired yes. to South Carolina? Uh, two years ago, we, we decided to uh, move to South Carolina. Uh, my sister and brother-in-law have uh, retired and live here for about 12 or 13 years. And we kind of fell in love with the place. And not only did my wife and I choose the same development, but we actually chose the same model house. So how do you like that for a coincidence? <laughs> and uh, we fell in love with it and had to wait for one to open up because uh, they had all been sold out. Uh, it's a relatively new development. It's only about seven or eight years old, but uh, gorgeous, just absolutely fun. And we've got a beautiful house with a pond in the backyard and we're two miles from the ocean and about six miles from uh, south of the resort area. So it's great. It's just wonderful. John, I want to thank you for, for being my guest. We've been talking with John Fedorchek. He is a 1974 graduate of Cranford High School, and he was a member of the 1976 Rutgers Scarlet Knights football team, undefeated, recent inductees into the Rutgers Athletic Hall of Fame. John, again, thanks so much for being my guest. Are you rah-rah? <laughs> that was my pleasure. Thanks, Bernie.